What up all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 219 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with Jennifer Ryder from the Two Can Travel blog. Jennifer actually came on with her husband four and a half years ago, back in 2016, when I kicked off Misfits and Rejects. She was episode 13. So it's been a long time since Jen and I jumped on a call together. It was really great to catch up with her. Her and her husband have been living in Asia, doing a lot of cool stuff. But specifically today, I wanted to talk to her about her online entrepreneurial endeavor. Because like me, we started about the same time getting into online entrepreneurship. She went down the blogging route. I went down the service route, YouTube course creation, where I was trying to, as many of you know, teach people how to surf through video courses and online surf instruction. Both of our journeys have kind of paralleled each other in the trials and tribulations, the overall, just the overwhelming nature of technology to both of us has kind of been similar. And we've kind of come to the end of the road and found ourselves standing in the same place. So I wanted to bring her on where we could just kind of vent to each other and then hopefully flush out some of the pitfalls that we both fell into and how now maybe we can learn from each other's story and move forward. And then you can learn from it as well. So you don't fall into those same pitfalls. It was really fun to catch up with her. Her and I actually were neighbors growing up and both have just fallen in love with the open road and living abroad and expat lifestyle. So we spent a fair amount of time in Southeast Asia together. Her husband's been on the podcast multiple times as well. He's a stand-up comedian doing the Asia circuit. And like I said, as you'll hear, our paths have paralleled in so many ways throughout this online entrepreneurship endeavor that I think it's a really powerful episode, not just for you to hear, but for me and her to hear as well as we re-listen to it, kind of focusing on where we might have done things better or all the things we did right, but just the timing was wrong. And now to give you a quick update on what has transpired throughout last week after I announced I could use your help in contacting David Gelb from the production company Supper Club, where I divulge I really like to take Misfits and Rejects to a visual level, a production of sorts, and I needed his help because I really like and respect the work that he creates and feel that it would pair really nicely with the stories that I capture. So thank you so much to everybody who took the time to write the email that I asked, sending it to David's production company. I haven't heard anything back, but I'm still very hopeful. You know, it is the holidays. Possibly he's out on vacation with his family. You know, he's also just coming off a very big, successful win doing an animation series. So he might not be looking for new projects right now, but I'm still extremely hopeful and I'll still continue to send emails weekly, bi-weekly hoping to get through to him. But thank you so much to the 10 or so people who reached out to me saying they had sent that email and CC'd me in the email. I really appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time to do that. I have no doubt that a few of those emails are getting through. I have no doubt that he will or has already seen it. And hopefully that he's just waiting till he comes back from vacation to maybe make contact. If not, that's fine. I'm still going to keep pushing forward. I'm going to keep still sending emails. And who knows? Maybe another door will open up from this. I've had some really cool people reach out and then pass my idea along to people who are in the industry. So like I said in last week's episode, six degrees of separation, we are all connected through six people in this world or less to get to that one person that we want to connect with. And I am hopeful. I think that I will at least at some point in the near future get to speak with him and give him an idea of what I'm thinking and how I see him fitting into my big picture. So thank you again for taking that one to two minutes just to send an email. If you still feel like doing it, and if you haven't done it already, it's basically going to the website supper-club.com, scrolling to the bottom, clicking the link hello at supperclub.com, which will bring up an email form, sending the email subject attention, David Gelb, and then however you want to write it. Hi, David. I'm writing on behalf of Chapin Cruder, the host of the podcast, Misfits and Rejects. He would like to take you know, 15 minutes of your time to explain an idea that he feels you would be instrumental in bringing to life. And then if you could CC me in that, that makes it really easy for him just to respond to me directly. If you want to put my email at the bottom, that's awesome too, which is chapin at misfitsandrejects.com. So if you haven't already done it and you want to participate in trying to help me break through this barrier that I've been working hard to break through to get to David, that would be awesome. But if not, that's totally cool too. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have no doubt you're going to enjoy this episode with me and Jennifer Ryder talking about our path towards the lifestyles that we want through online entrepreneurship.
Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today, I'm joined by Jennifer Ryder from the Two Can Travel blog. Jennifer, welcome back. Hey, Chapin. Great to be here. It's nice to have you. You were on episode 13 with your husband, Steve-O, and that's four and a half years ago. It's been a while since you came on the podcast. That's hard to believe. That was so long ago. You guys were in Phnom Penh, Cambodia last time. That's right. Yeah, we were living in Phnom Penh and uh, working there as teachers at an international school at that time. And now where are you located? Where are you calling in from? Um, right now we're in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and we've been here since March. Uh, we arrived here just before the country went into lockdown. So we've been here ever since, and it's been good. Yeah. So yeah, you got quarantined there, and like you literally couldn't leave, right? Like There wasn't really anywhere for you to go. I mean, you could have, I guess, come back to America, but like you decided to just stay there and, and hole up, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, our plan was we had just been in America for two months over the holidays visiting family, and then we were back abroad um, traveling. And yeah, we didn't have intentions to go back to America, so that was the only place we could have gone back to, and we figured we'd be better off staying in Malaysia. And seeing what happened, obviously none of us knew, you know, how bad it would get this year. But um, we've chosen to stay this whole time. And what's life been like for you there? Uh, I think like anyone, it's been a lot of ups and downs. This year has been super weird um, for everybody. It started out with a lot of uncertainty, like how long is this lockdown going to be for? And then once it's over, you know, life goes back to normal, right? And then when that wasn't the case and we just saw numbers going up everywhere, I don't know. It's just been, um, it's just been a lot of like stress and uncertainty at times. Um, a lot of like emotional ups and downs, seeing what's happening in the States and like worrying about friends and family there. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a weird one, but it's been good in a lot of ways because it's forced us to slow down. And that was something we really wanted to do for 2020. And so ironically, we really, really have been able to do that. What kind of news do you get about the States? I'm always interested, and I try to bring this up with people who are abroad, expats who are abroad, and the news that they're being fed about, one, the country that they're in. So what is the Malaysian media saying about the COVID situation in Malaysia? And then what are you hearing about the U.S. situation? Okay, so for Malaysia, they have a daily update from their – I don't know. He must be like the Minister of Health or something like that. I'm not exactly sure his position. But he's some well-respected medical guy who this entire time has done a daily briefing, letting you know like case numbers um, in different parts of the country. And then he's the one who makes the announcements on if we're in lockdown or if we're not in lockdown and, and what things are happening. It's in Bahasa, which is the language they speak here. And so I don't always, you know, it's not always easy to follow what's happening. And I don't look at it every day. I mostly just hear from friends here what's going on. They'll, they'll be like, oh, we're going back into lockdown tomorrow. Like, sweet. Good to know. Okay. Um, or these are the rules now or whatever. So we just kind of ask friends when it comes to here. Um, but for American news, we can, you know, with the internet, we can see everything going on. So I, you know, I read like the New York Times. I even like sometimes we'll look at Fox News. I just want to see what everybody's talking about. And like the different things people in America are hearing too, I know are, are pretty dis disparate, right? So um, there's just too many sources now and, and not like any one source everyone can go to, it seems like. What are they saying about the effects that COVID is having on the people of Malaysia? Or what are you hearing? Because I mean, there's so many rumors about the long-term effects. And I'm wondering if you're getting the similar information that people are getting here that we at this point, I think we don't know if it's true or not. That's so so interesting that in America, like everyone doesn't think things are true because, like I said, like there's no one source everyone can trust right now. Um, it's like very, I feel like just really crazy <laughs> um, when I hear people saying that. But I don't, I don't know what they're saying here necessarily, other than you know it's an airborne disease, so like wear your mask and prevent it that way. 
um, and that you just don't want to get it because no matter who you are, it affects people differently. And, you know, you could be like 95 years old and come out of it fine. You could be 23 and, and think you're healthy and die. Like, you just don't know here. But I know that a uh, majority of people who have passed away here have been older. Uh, but they've only had a total of about 500 deaths in Malaysia this entire time. And they've taken it very, very seriously, like, from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the people who've gotten it here have been in the prison systems. So that's mm. been the worst hit. I should have been more clear with my question because I was referring to more um, right now. There's a big surge of paranoia about uh, the mutating strains and the long-term effects. And I've been preached to recently uh. by quite a few people talking about how um, the brain damage that has occurred, the lifelong lung damage that has occurred. And it dawned on me that no one's lived their whole life with COVID yet. So how could anybody know the long-term effects of COVID? You know, it's like, how does somebody know that they're going to live the rest of their lives with lung problems or, you know, brain damage or it's just, a, it's a very interesting thing to have a lot of people talking at me about when no one's actually lived the next 20 years with COVID, you know? Sure. Yeah. I know. It kind of drives me crazy to have these conversations because it's like, people read one news story and then they just kind of go off about it and you're like, okay, but none of us actually know what's happening for sure. Um, I, I, yeah, I can't tell you what they're thinking here in Malaysia. And I personally have been avoiding the news for the past couple of weeks just to give my brain a bit of a break. Um, cause I feel like I wasn't doing too well and I, I realized the news was a part of, part of that problem. Um, yeah. So I don't know about this new strain yet, to be honest with you. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's just a, it's a perspective I like to try to give because I genuinely think a lot of the fear mongering media in America does worse for the population than help. You know, the the mental state of American people seems to be in a complete, complete chaos in so many ways. Really? Yeah. I think some of it's very founded, but some of it is, is completely just not rational at all. Yeah. And I feel like it's really easy to get wrapped up in it when you start reading and you go down that rabbit hole. Cause I've definitely done that this year. And I just like, you know, I remember getting in a fight with my parents earlier this year. Um, I was, you know, like, are you going outside? Stop going outside. Like, what are you doing? You guys are going to die. You know, it just seems like really, really dire mm -hmm. over there. And, um, it definitely caused some like not rifts, but some weirdness yeah. with my family. I feel like, cause I would just like lose it on them. Just out of fear, you know, just being like really concerned for everybody's everybody's health. I mean, absolutely. I mean, and we love our families and we want them to stay well and happy and healthy and be with us for another 20 years. So I can I think many people have that concern and I'm not ever trying to make someone feel like they shouldn't be concerned or the way of thinking that they have is in, in, incorrect. But it does dawn on me at times when someone's sitting there lecturing me on the long-term effects of COVID that they literally have no idea. Nobody has any idea about the long-term effects of COVID at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I know, you know, people have gotten it and I know people who've gotten it and um, you know, my, my parents know people who've died from it. And I just think you just don't want to get it and <laughs> to avoid it at all costs is kind of what we're trying to do. Fair enough. But, that sounds a little, but yeah, little... with these mutations. Yeah, sorry. No, yeah. no, that was just a little tangent. I went on. We don't have to keep going down that rabbit hole. Um, yeah. So I did bring you on, though, because I think you and I have had a very interesting journey, you know, into online entrepreneurship and to, you know, becoming digital nomads. We basically both left in 2015. Um, you had already been in Southeast Asia for quite some time in Cambodia, and you were making a go of it with Steve-O, your husband, to really just start down the path of like travel blogging. And I started in 2015 as well with my journey into starting with YouTube, creating a website that had a service that would allow people to, you know, utilize me as a surf instructor through video footage that they would send me. And I would, you know, break down and give them instructions about, and then I found my way into online course creation. And I think that, you know, a lot of people who follow various business podcasts and stuff, they're always hearing, the bright, the brightest sides of things, you know, which is fine. And that's inspirational and motivates us. But I brought you on today so we can just talk about our journeys, you know, the inspiration to start and just kind of how it went and just get really transparent with the audience. So anybody listening can, can maybe learn from our experience and either avoid certain pitfalls that we might've fallen into or 
just get a more realistic perspective because I think, you know, 90 or I don't know any percentage, I don't even want to say it out loud, but most people are going to start and the first few times are going to fail, right? That's kind of the nature of this game. So you started with the blogging. You started blogging. That was kind of how you saw yourself and Steve-O maintaining a life on the road as a couple, traveling around the world, being paid through your blog to sustain the lifestyle that you want. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's right. Who is the inspiration to dis- to make that decision that blogging is the the avenue that you both want to walk down? Well, I guess to give like a quick background, in 2011 we moved to China to teach English, um, and we did that for three years in China, taking breaks to travel. And I knew I really wanted to keep traveling, um, but wasn't sure how to you know make that possible. So during a trip in 2014, I bought the domain, didn't really do anything with it, um, bought a small course from Matt Kneps, if you know him. Um, I'm trying to think what his blog is called, actually. Now I'm like spacing on it. Let me. Oh, Nomadic Matt. I'm sure a lot of people in the blogging space know him. He was like one of the original big bloggers, and he's still, still going now. Um, but I bought a small course from him about just how to basically set up your blog in WordPress and do all the, the little details that you need at the beginning. Um, And then in 2015, we moved to Phnom Penh and we got jobs at international schools. So we were working full time. But on the side, I started doing the blog more. So uh, it was really a means to kind of have an excuse to like go to some conferences or do some travel or get invited on media things. Um, I really liked all the side effects of blogging. And I was growing it steadily in my free time, but um, never really making much money, to be honest. Um, and I don't know if I was alone in that because it's not something I like talk to a lot of other bloggers about, um, you know, strangely, but I, I personally was not making much money and steve was not that into blogging. So he really would rarely do things unless I was like, ah, I have tech issues. Can you help me fix this thing that I really don't want to do? <laughs> so he was nice to help me with that stuff, but he was never really into the blog to be honest. So How'd you hear about Nomadic Matt? Um, I think I just followed him in the blogging space. But you're asking who are our big inspirations? Um, when we were living in China, we met this couple, Nick and Darice, who run the blog Goats on the Road. And they had just started their blog. We were all living in Yangzhou, China together. And they had just started their blog. And they had been published in some big Southeast Asian online magazine. And that like really was fueling their growth. And, um, then they, you know, when they left China, they went on this really big trip through Mongolia and some other things. And I just thought, how amazing is that? We should do that. Um, and it's possible. And I saw like a couple doing that together. And I thought to do that as a couple would be much more possible because there's so much work that goes into blogging. That would be great. Um, but yeah, but Steve-O just never really got into it. So, yeah. So you actually did have like a physical couple that you knew that kind of started, that you saw the inception of, and then you saw them start to gain traction, which was of an obvious motivation for you to say like, Hey, this is actually possible, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. And, and you, like, like probably you've had this experience, you meet people along the way and they're, they're kind of, Oh, that's a thing you can do. Okay. Like let's pursue that path. And that's happened so many times, you know, just while traveling. Absolutely. And it's always hard though, to discern whether these people are, truthful in the way that they're really living like are they really making all their money through their blog which i found to be the case until recently when i came into the dynamite circle where legitimately most of these people are making money off of their online ventures where prior to that like i met just so many what i thought were just complete charlatans you know people who like were trying to start their business but claiming that they were making money from this business and trying to start it that way if that makes sense so like Oh, I'm starting a, a business on how to teach people how to become digital nomads, but like they had never made any money as a digital nomad and this was their first venture, you know? Totally. And it's yeah. so, so much of that, which was the, a breaking point for me, which is why I really dove deep and tried to seek out people who were really making money. Right. Yeah. Are you talking about like in Chiang Mai? meeting people like that cuz that's no. what comes to mind for me when you say that. Okay. I was actually in Nicaragua. I was I was in Nicaragua and had people passing through, which was kind of, I think Nicaragua was not the best place for digital nomads because the Wi-Fi is not that great. So we had a few come through and 
um, there was one group that was legit, but then I met a handful of others that were just not legit at all. So it was so few and far between that I just felt like it was a 50-50 gamble if I was meeting somebody who was really making money off of their online venture or if they were just like trying to sell me on something. Do you mind me asking how much you paid for Nomadic Matt's uh, course? I think it was like 150 bucks. I'm not remembering exactly, but that's what's coming to mind. Okay, so not a huge investment. And do you, was it worthwhile? Did you make your money back? Um, I mean, by now I've made 150 bucks, but but uh, not for a while. But I think it was worth it because I didn't know. Like for me, the tech has always been what trips me up. And so I think that it, it was helpful to get like the blog itself set up through his course. So yeah, I think it was worth it. Okay. I'm still in it. I still get emails randomly and I'm like, oh, I can still get stuff out of this, but I never look at them. I so see. I probably should at some point. So with, with the couple that you watch grow from nothing to something, what do you think made them successful? I think like working together and, and realizing their different strengths and then like taking on separate roles um, to both grow the business seemed to work really well for them. I mean, I'm st we're still friends with them, and I still talk to them from time to time, and I've done some guest blogging on their website um, and things like that. So um, I think they also took their blog in a lot of different directions. They focused on um, – they built a course around SEO. They you know, really hunkered down on writing very, very long articles on specific things, um, and they've also taken on the niche of like helping other people who want to pursue full-time travel – uh, figure out ways to do that and stay on the road longer. So I think they've, yeah, they've just kind of really niched down. Do you think they've compromised their original vision and just kind of jumped into niches that they knew they could make money with? I don't know for sure if, if they, if that was like, I know in the beginning they were like, like me. So they were kind of just writing like, Oh, you know, it's spring in Yangzhou and this is what the flowers are like, you know, just trying to show people what like life is like abroad and then pivoted to much more useful articles. So I guess in that way, they were strategic. But useful in the sense, it sounds like you're implying that useful and that they're helping now people mimic what they do in a viable way. Yeah. And that seems to be, I think, an undercurrent to kind of what I was implying and like have seen as well, which is like everyone seems to like jump into the game of wanting to teach you how to do what they do because you're selling the lifestyle and in the beginning, like I said, like there's charlatans who like they're selling the lifestyle, but they've never made a dime and they don't really know anything about much, you know, <laughs> and then you dig, you get people who have some tech savvy and they can actually show you like, hey, like if you put your blog up and you do keywords and like stuff like that, we can get some traction pretty quick and then you might be able to do like Google ads or I don't know. But everyone seems to kind of get pushed in that lane of like teaching people the, the, the tech side of things. Would you agree? Um, I don't, for, for these guys, I mean, they're one of the very genuinely like real people who are, have been doing this for like a decade. So they're, they're not, but I think that tends to be where the money is. If you can really show people in a tangible way, how to do things, um, that, that propel them forward. I think that that is the way to go if you can. And, and then like what you're saying, if you're not genuinely that person, I think that that will come back to bite you. Uh, you might make sales, but you know, your reputation would suffer or, or maybe it does work out for those people and they make a ton of money. I don't know. But um, but these friends of ours, I think they've done it really, really, really well because they they are full-time travelers and they are living this lifestyle. And, and we know a few people doing doing really well who are genuinely – yeah, maybe people you've even met in Chiang Mai. Um, we have other friends who run the travel blog Adventure and You, Tom and Anna, and they they too are extremely successful. And they've now gotten into course creation as well to help other people do what they do. So I guess what you're saying, like, it's kind of like a pipe dream for a lot of people and, and you're selling them on, on this dream, but it can be real, but I don't, I don't know that it can be taught quickly. You know, I mean, all of us are where we are after a lot of years of trial and error. hundred percent. Unless, you know, you came to the table with a skill set, like say you worked at a company in America or wherever, where you, you had a very good understanding of SEO, for example, and that's what you did for that company or social media marketing, for example. Um, then you can take that skill set and you could either do freelance work where you market yourself as somebody who can help build a brand through social media marketing or help 
with SEO, which right there you have a you know a commodity that you could utilize or a skill set you can utilize to make money on the road, which enables you to stay on the road. You could build a business around that skill set, where then you go employ other social media marketers, you know, say in wherever Southeast Asia, like the Philippines, um, and now you have your own business where you're outsourcing, you know, to get some help and and grow. Um, it's really interesting though, because I think you and I both started like with correct me if I'm wrong, like no skill sets when it came to anything that was online. Not to offend you, maybe you had something, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really didn't have much either. Yeah, I, I'd done writing, but that's about it. Okay, so I mean, that's a, that's a great skill set. I mean, I know I know plenty of people nowadays who do very well with uh, creating copy for companies. Um, but it touches upon something we talked about pre-show, which was that now say you have this skill set that you came into the online space with like copywriting, but now you have to turn it into a viable way to make money and you have to take jobs that you have to write about things you don't really want to write about, which is a brick wall that you've come across that I've come across for sure. How do you overcome that, you think? I I mean, like for me, the reason that I wanted to, to take on this lifestyle was to kind of not do things I don't want to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think it's definitely been a hard thing for me to, to stomach it. Um, yeah, I I don't know if I don't want to like confuse people with our story. But in, in 2018, we decided to stop teaching and try our hand at going full digital nomad, um, take the blog full time and do some freelancing. And I mean, to be honest, it ended up being a disaster in terms of like financially. Um, it was, it was amazing to have the freedom to live that lifestyle. But when it came to like making consistent money or, and I, and a lot of what I was trying to do was get writing jobs. It's so hard to break into the the writing industry and make money from it. You can find jobs that'll pay you a little bit of money, like, you know, a hundred bucks or something, but what are you going to write? Like 30? I don't know. It just, it didn't feel sustainable at all. You'd be working so hard to make decent money. At least what I found. I think you really have to just be a, a known person in the industry to make it work for you. And that definitely takes time. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm like very impatient. And so for me, I just felt like I don't have time right now. Like I'm trying to make this work right this minute. So I kind of gave up on, on the idea of that. One thing I've noticed is that the individuals who do make money with their writing they usually stumble into or work hard at finding one or two clients that sustain them. You know, it's not like they're writing all these crazy articles for different companies. Like they stumble into a client that really likes how they write. It's a nice match. And that's kind of how they sustain themselves on the road. And um, I don't know if that's through perseverance, luck, probably a combination of both, but that's one thing I think that's really common amongst a lot of people. Like they have one or two clients that really sustain them and then they can live the lifestyle they want. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I also found it really hard to stomach not having like consistent pay because after working for, for schools for so long and having a monthly paycheck and then knowing as a freelancer, sometimes you'll make a lot of money one month and the next month you'll make, you know, a lot less. I thought that was really stressful for me. I don't know how you felt about that. No, I don't mind that so much. Um, my life has always kind of been like that. What I did mind, though, is as I was trying to build my little enterprise, I was having to take on more um, tools to make it function in the way I want. Because I, I think you and I have a, such a parallel path in decision-making and overall feelings. Like I was trying to create something where I didn't have to do what I didn't want to do, you know? So I was trying to create like passive income streams and utilizing tools that would automate my systems. As long as I was marketing it correctly, like theoretically I could basically live the lifestyle I wanted. And by taking on all these third party apps that I needed to pay to utilize their service, my costs started going up. So I'd be on the road and not only was I trying to like finance my lifestyle, but I was trying to like build my business None of which, I mean, I wasn't making any money. So now I'm now I'm racking up credit card debt, tons and tons of credit card debt. Thinking like next month I'm going to turn a corner. Next month I'm going to turn a corner, and next thing you know, twenty thousand dollars of credit card debt. I'm like, dude, it's time to go home. Like, game over. Yeah. So I mean, like, and and my bad. You know, like everyone's like, you should you should have a job and build your side hustle until it's sustainable. Where I was like, you like. 
I fully just would swing for the fences. Like I move into Thailand. I'm going to just like try to make this work, go full on, just try to network with the right people who understand this better than me. And that was not a winning formula at all. And it sounds like you kind of had the same experience where you guys were like, we're going to go for it, which like the rah, rah, rally, rally. And same thing. Yeah, fully. Like we had some incredible experiences, but we also had no balance at all. And like, yeah, there were points where we were eating pad thai like twice a day, you know, and living in a very inexpensive apartment um, and just trying to make it work. But uh, we were also, you know, having having a really great time being out there. Um, But we got to the point where we were pretty much down to our last like couple grand and we were like, okay, this is pretty much the last month. So we're at zero. Um, This was eight months into our trying to to find freelancing work and work on the blog and make money. Um, yeah. So it was, it was definitely stressful. And then at that same time, I found out I had a tumor on my ovary and this was when we were like out of money. So that was just like the worst that was in 2019. Um, and then that's when we found online teaching and that's what's really saved us and enabled us to stay on the road this long. And I've kind of not worked on the blog so much since starting the teaching. Because, yeah, you're back to now a consistent paycheck, which is like safe and secure and and great money. You're doing VIP kid, right? Yes. Yeah. It's really good money. Uh, Super grateful to have it, especially this year during the pandemic. I mean, with the kids home in China, we were working like crazy. So, um, so yeah, it's been, it's been really amazing. Total, total turnaround for us or else I don't know. I guess we would have had to go back to getting jobs in schools which we really didn't want to do because the whole idea of being digital nomads is being able to travel when we want to, where we want to, and not have to ask our employer for time off. Yeah, you scratch that itch. You, you're able to work from anywhere in Southeast Asia. I mean, the time zone is ideal, more or less, for China. So, I mean, you could yeah. do it theoretically from anywhere, but obviously time zones, you wouldn't want to really be too far from Southeast Asia or some Asia, you know? Yeah, I mean, most of the VIP could teachers live in America, but I can't imagine doing what they do, staying up all night. Um, definitely, definitely, that's definitely not something I want to do. I didn't know that. That's so interesting. That's real, huh? They, they're all in America. Pretty much mostly. Yeah. There is a group on Facebook. It's VIP kid teachers who travel and it's, it's decently big, but I think there are something like, I want to say a hundred thousand teachers. It's a big number. Wow. That might not be right. 20,000 wow. teachers. There's a, there's, I mean, there's a lot of teachers. A <laughs> hundred thousand can't be right, but it's probably... There, there are tens of thousands of teachers, and most of them are in America. So what's next? I mean, the blog has kind of been stagnant as you kind of have been navigating this pandemic, and sounds like you've been squirreling away some money, which is great. Congratulations. Um, where, what do you have your sights set on now moving towards the future? Because I know you still have the same desire. Like you want to create something that allows you to be mobile. You probably don't want to teach for the rest of your lives. What's next? Such a good question. <laughs> um. I will keep teaching for now, definitely, and keep keep saving. And, and having some money in the bank is definitely helpful toward figuring out what's next. Um, I was meant to do a yoga teacher training in October in Bali, so I'm hoping to get to do that this year and maybe just see what happens. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's been helpful for me to be constantly thinking about what's next um, without a real plan. And I, I don't know if you do this, but I'll you know listen to a ton of business podcasts and and see what a lot of other people are doing. And then that gets in my head and I feel kind of inferior or, or like, why haven't I figured it out yet? If this person has, um, and I think I've just had too many other people's voices in my head for a while. So I think what I want to do next is just really kind of focus on what I want to do, not what I think I need to be doing. Um, and getting more into the things that I'm interested in doing in this next year, like doing that yoga teacher training, um, you know, I led a couple like meditation groups this year and that was really looking back at the year. I think that was really good is like creating some community. So just get into doing more of those things and see what kind of unfolds from there. Um, I, I like am a very type A personality, but it's something I've worked on and, and traveling and being flexible has definitely helped me with that. And I think I just need to remember like that things do work out and I don't need to force them. Um, so it sounds like. Sense? It does. Yeah. So it sounds like if you didn't make your money online, if you were making money, say, through your yoga teaching 
or whatever you're doing with your yoga, but able to move with that, that would satisfy you? That would scratch that itch of being able to be mobile with something you could still make money with? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Yeah, I just kind of have this feeling that I will figure it out and I need to stop stressing about it all the time. Um, yeah, because that's what I've been doing for a lot of this year. And just, yeah. And it's, it's not been helpful for sure. No, of course. But that's interesting. So as long as you're just able to be mobile and not stuck in one place, that's satisfying to you. It doesn't have to necessarily be online income. It could be in person, trading your time for money in front of a class of yoga students. And that'll, you'll, you'll be happy with that. Um, I don't know because I haven't done it yet, but whatever comes next, I just want to have this freedom to to continue traveling. Um, and yeah, it's it's a really good question. I don't <laughs> I, I don't know right now. I feel like this next year, 2021, isn't going to be that different from 2020. Uh, the vaccines are going to take a long time to to work to get 70 percent of our world vaccinated. Is is not going to be a quick process. So I think that not too much is going to change in term of, terms of like the ability to travel. Um, and things are changing constantly. Like I was telling you before we started the podcast, you know, we were thinking if we need to leave Malaysia, we'll go to Bali. And then like two days ago, Bali closed their doors again. So it's really hard to plan for the future right now. But I do want to work toward other streams of income or just other skills that could lead to other streams of income once we are able to get moving again. It's a good plan. I like that. I mean, I'm, I'm looking into the freelance space myself right now. I had a nice friend of mine through the Dynamite Soka Reach Out who's um, an expert in you know, creating really cool Upwork profiles that convert and thought I'd be a good fit for her help. And So that was nice that someone's thinking about me knowing that I, I would desperately want to get back out there and figure out a way to make money online because, I mean, as my audience knows and as you know, like nothing at this point that I've ventured into has been very fruitful. I have acquired knowledge for sure that I could apply to my next venture, but I'm sort of kind of stuck back at square one, you know? So what happens next? I don't know. I mean, like my audience has just heard recently on the most recent episode that I'd like to take Misfits and Rejects into create a television show around it. And I'm really pushing for that. You know, I think it's possible. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm swinging the bat and reaching out to the right people. And hopefully someone will see my vision in a way that I see it and we can collaborate. But, you know, I, I'm kind of just out of ideas. I don't really know what, what's going to happen next or what I want to do. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to know. I, do you think that's because of like what's going on in the world right now? Or, or were you already feeling that way like last year? That's just me and my personality. Like I fixate on things. Like, I mean, the whole like online entrepreneurship thing I've been fixating on for six years now, you know, trying to make passive income, realizing like it's doable, but it's never really passive. You still always have to work on the marketing side of things. Um, and obsessing over that and coming just to the end of the road or, you know, the end of that road and not knowing now where I can put that knowledge and energy into because, yeah, my original idea didn't work. So my creativity is kind of limited with what I could do next with my skills that I've acquired. Sure. Yeah. No, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. And then that's been like the really brutal thing about, you know, for, for so many people, obviously, and, and we're, you know, very lucky in comparison, but like with COVID so many things that maybe you've been working towards, I know that's how I was feeling like are just not even a thing anymore. Um, they're just not possible right now with the, the way the world is. So feeling a bit like, Oh, I have, I have no skills and nothing to offer. You know, I can teach, but like, what else do I have going on that I've been working towards that I could, could do. Yeah. Agreed. I like your strategy though. I think that's probably the best place to surrender to and that just not thinking about it usually will grow an idea from that and you'll be you know pacing the kitchen or whatever you do to kind of think like i walk i walk circles on my little island in the kitchen <laughs> and uh sometimes just an idea pops in my head i mean that's how i came up with the idea to ask my audience to help me out and re reach out to this producer that i'd like to work with i feel like having the support of my audience and maybe even somebody within my network is connected to him in some weird way that, you know, uh, I'm an email away to maybe making this new phase come true. So yeah, I think just surrendering to this, not stressing about it. You are in Malaysia right now. You have a very great job situation, a life situation. Cause you like Malaysia, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful place to be. I'll bet. And yeah, you, you're saying you have, you have a nice Airbnb right now. It's 50% off. You can see the towers and cause you're, 
what city are you in in Malaysia? We're in Kuala Lumpur, so it's the capital city. Okay, so yeah, you can see those two big towers that Sean, yeah. Sean Connery jumped off of at one point. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah. yeah, that's pretty. That's cool, man. I'm jealous. I'd love to be there right now. That sounds beautiful. Yeah, I wish you could get out here. Yeah, you're always welcome to crash. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just so weird what's going on in the world right now. And um, it's good to have these conversations because I, sometimes, you know, you can feel kind of alone in it um, or yeah, you're just feeling shitty and you're like, why do I feel shitty? But then you find out so many other people feel bad too. Um, which, you know, not like makes you feel better, but makes you feel not alone, um, in these feelings. hundred percent. And same with the business saying, I mean, having this conversation with you makes me feel less alone because, you know, I'm surrounded by, I mean, not immediately, but you know, a lot of pe my peer group is successful in some way, shape or form and able to sustain a life on the road. And I'm not. You know, so even though they're tremendously kind and helpful people and rooting for me, I still feel isolated and alone because like, I don't feel like I'm one of them yet, you know? So having someone like you can, I can relate to, I mean, and for the audience, like Jen and I, we were neighbors growing up. So I've known Jen yeah. for a <laughs> lot, a lot of years and, um, yeah, I've known you like my whole life, literally. <laughs> yeah. So it's been fun to connect in the same kind of passion for travel, connect in Southeast Asia. We've hung out quite a bit in Southeast Asia together. Um, and so, yeah, having that, the, the variety of people that, you know, know different aspects of your story that can relate to it and sympathize is, is really beneficial that I'm glad I have you. Yeah. Same shape. I'm really glad to have you too. Yeah. And, and what keeps you going with everything? I mean, like with setbacks and things like what motivates you? The end goal, which is to be on the road, traveling, sustaining an income that can keep me on the road. That's, I mean, this is a means to an end, even though that's, I always feel like that sounds terrible, but like you, like I want to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And somehow I see a tremendous amount of freedom and scalability within the online entrepreneur entrepreneurship space. Um, I haven't stumbled into my sweet spot yet, but I feel like I will. And I think that I will be fulfilled in some way, shape or form with what I choose to like dive into next. Cause I can't just do something just to make money. Like it just, I will, it's not sustainable for me. I won't sustain enough focus to actually see it through. So I have to find something that I can really sink my teeth into my heart into know that I'm at least being helpful to certain types of people in a certain way. And, uh, yeah, if I capture a small percentage of that market, I think it could be tremendously powerful and keep me on the road in a very comfortable way. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think, I think like consistency is key and like sticking with it and you're definitely doing those things. So yeah. Because yes, I, go ahead. Oh no, you go for it. Cause yeah, it's like, you know, the, the entrepreneurship word is thrown on so much now. And I always had a very clear understanding of what I thought that meant. And I in no way, shape or form fit that role or that model in my brain. Cause for me, like an entrepreneur is just somebody who's kind of naturally gifted in thinking about business. So it's kind of like a skill they're groomed to have, or they were just naturally born and thinking in that way, which I was neither of those. Um, so to think that you can learn entrepreneurship and you can then execute on it in a successful way, is like such a far fetched notion to me until I have met people who don't fit that classic sort of definition that I created in my head. Um, and have similar sort of motivations like we do, which is we want the lifestyle. I think that's fair. I think having any motivation to propel you into a space is motivation enough to like see your way through it in a successful way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think it's like important to, if this makes sense, like to chase the feeling that you want to have. So, so that's definitely motivating. Like I want to, you know, I want to feel like, I wake up in the morning and I don't have to rush off to work and like, I don't have to be obligated or I, you know, everyone's definition of freedom is, is different. But like, for me, that was a big, a big part of it. And, um, just like chasing that feeling that you want to have and figuring out how to get to that place. 100%. I mean, we are in, we are in alignment in so many ways. Like, I'm not chasing the money. Like I can't chase the money. That's not motivating enough. Like I'm chasing that feeling of, like you said, like if I want to wake up at 10, 11 in the morning, I want to know as I'm going to bed the night before that that's totally cool. And I don't have to be up for anybody. Like I'm chasing that feeling as well, that freedom. And for us 
in Southeast Asia or the places that we like to reside, that's a viable option. That is something that we can easily create for ourselves with a very little, with a very limited amount of money. And that's why I like the online space. Like if I can figure out just to, how to make a thousand bucks a month, like in Chiang Mai, my cost of living per month is like 400 bucks, you know? So that's a 600 bucks I'm saving or I'm investing, you know, or I'm, I'm saving to fly back home when I needed to. That's pretty rad, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes maybe I feel like I've set my sights too low. Like I need to set my sights on a $10,000 a month payday and maybe I'll hit a thousand dollars a month, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I really don't know like what the trick is to making it work sustainably. I mean, I kind of have also done at times what you do, which is like work super hard, save a bunch of money and then go. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, I don't know, I guess part of me feels like sometimes I, I look too much at what other people are doing and I feel like I'm doing it wrong rather than thinking like, okay, am I happy with what I'm doing? Cause maybe that's enough. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to look like what other people are doing. Um, and maybe this is fine. Yeah. I, I totally relate. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I love my life actually. Like I'm genuinely happy doing my life the way I'm doing it. The one little snare that always kind of falls in the way is that, I need a little bit amount of money to sustain it, which somehow I can't produce, you know, and it's, yeah. what bothers me is, bothers me the most is it's not a huge amount. And there's individuals around me who are easily making that and can like blink and like I had a interview with uh, Ray blank blankney and uh, he like doesn't even bother to like create businesses that make 500 bucks a month. Cause it's like a waste of his time. Like he could do that in a blink of an eye and like, and he said that on the podcast, I'll reference that episode for anybody who wants to go hear him say that. And it's like, dude, if I could figure out how to make a 500 bucks a month off a of business and I made two or three of them, I'd be so psyched. I'd retire. I mean, that's a little short sighted, but you know, it's like, that's my general genuine feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I also wish I could figure out how to do that. I, yeah, I really don't. I really don't know. Um, I've gotten a bit into like some random freelance work this year and I keep thinking, could I turn that into something more sustainable into a business? Um, just had, you know, because I have been blogging for so long, I have random skill sets at things. I'm not like professional at any of them, but, um, I've had friends who've reached out for help with copywriting or SEO. Um, I'm like finding myself in this coaching position at the moment for a friend starting her nutrition business. Like for the past year and a half, I've just been kind of giving her some guidance here and there as she needs it. And that's been so fun. Like I've enjoyed it so much. And, you know, it's, it's a little bit of money, um, but it's also given me a new perspective on like, maybe I do have some skills that, you know, maybe my skills aren't top notch, but they're more than what someone else has. And so I can, can help someone else who's on their way. Um, and, you know, to see her growth in the past year and a half too has been really rewarding. Um, and that's like mostly her, you know, but it's cool to be her sounding board in a way that's helpful to her. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've been thinking like, is that a viable direction to go in? Uh, I was talking to a friend who's very spiritual recently and she just kind of told me to take a step back, stop thinking so much about it and to just kind of notice patterns in my life, things that keep coming up over and over again for me and, and think about the things that I'm enjoying, um, not really act on it, just kind of notice it. So I've been trying to do that a bit more. It's good advice. I mean, yeah, the pattern that you just kind of articulate was like, you circle back to freelancing, you circle back to your knowledge of blogging. What's kind of spun out of that is maybe some coaching knowledge, all of which are things that like, we both know people who make good money doing all those things, you know, like six figures a year doing freelancing, blogging or coaching. So I think anybody who is listening, who does make that kind of money is going, Jen, like you have the opportunity, like you name, pick one of those three things and go for it, you know, but what that really entails for you and I always seems to be hard to really materialize in a way that we're happy in like pursuing and maintaining a healthy balance and lifestyle that we want to maintain. Cause you know, I'm not going to probably dive into freelancing and doing, you know, 14 hour days to build a freelancing business. You know, that's not my style. I will burn out and Holy. lose interest. Yeah. Same. And yeah. so, that's yeah, hundred percent. Like I, I don't know if I'm not a lazy person, but I just can't see myself 
diving headfirst into something when that's not the point. That's why I left the corporate world. That's why I left, you know, teaching in schools to, to move to online teaching. Like I already kind of have the lifestyle that I want. So pursuing those things feels like a, it's, I know it's not a step backwards, but in a way it feels like I'd be losing a lot of the freedom that I've built. Does that make sense? And I think that's like a fear holding me back. Yeah, I, that's me. Exactly. I have the lifestyle that I want, like I articulated earlier, but I can't figure out a way to sustain it. And by diving into something where I have to do the 14 hour days for the next three years to get myself over that hump, like in my mind, isn't worth it, which maybe some listeners like that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, Chapin. But like legitimately, it makes me anxious to think like think about that. Like I Save. don't yeah. want to do that. I want to figure out a way that's more balanced for me. And I'll happily take a little bit longer in my process to achieve that goal. Um that's kind of my rationalization for it. I'll just take longer. Like I'll just do it at my pace six hours a day and you know, hopefully I'll get there someday. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's more important to enjoy the journey. I mean, we just don't know what's around the corner. There's just no way to no way to know. Absolutely. <laughs> what's, what comes next. Absolutely. Well, no, I think this has been a fun conversation. I think just you and I getting to dive into our own journeys has helped me. I hope maybe helped you a little bit and maybe something will pop into your head. Um, before I let you go, though, do you mind me just asking, because I have brought on people in the past who have had um, utilized you know, medical tourism around the world. Um, you mentioned you had found uh, what a cyst on your ovary at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were able to get that taken care of, I know, because we know each other personally, in Thailand. Um, yes. Can you just speak to the audience a little bit about medical tourism, your experience getting it done in Thailand, and what medical tourism is? Sure. Um, yeah, I guess medical tourism is traveling to another country to have a medical procedure. I was already in Thailand when I found out um, that I had the tumor on my ovary. And so I was able to go to a hospital in Bangkok, have it looked at a couple times, um, and then ultimately ended up having surgery. And um, I, w- I could not recommend it more. The hospitals in Thailand are incredible. I was pretty much in a five-star hotel for the two nights that I was, I was there after my operation. Um, and it would have been about $6,000 out of pocket for my surgery. And I know an equivalent surgery in the U S would be at a minimum $10,000 with no nights in the hospital, um, with just outpatient surgery, um, which I can't imagine having left the hospital immediately after the surgery. Cause I was really not in a good way. So yeah, I guess is is there any more information you want? I mean, you're, do you want the name of the hospital? No, no. I just want to know one more other question. Like your insurance covered that, right? You had traveler's insurance and it covered the whole procedure, yeah. correct? I actually, yeah, we, we have medical insurance um, through a company in Phnom Penh. It's actually a French company in Phnom Penh and it's international insurance. So it's not just basic travel insurance, but it's like full medical insurance um, just for outpatient. So luckily, yeah, they did cover it. And what um, does that cost you annually roughly to have that kind of insurance? I think that at that time, our premium, we had like the lowest package. I think we were paying like $2,500 a year for both of us to have that insurance. Okay. And so out of pocket, did you have to pay anything for your stay in the hospital, the two nights in Bangkok? No, the hospital was completely covered. Um, I think the only things I had to pay for were the doctor visits beforehand because those were outpatient and we didn't have outpatient coverage, only in hospital coverage. But, I mean, it definitely saved us a good chunk of money with the surgery. Because, yeah, what, a, a, a doctor's visit's like 25 30 bucks, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think it was like 80 bucks because I was at like – I was actually at one of the top hospitals in Bangkok. Okay. Um, it's just really so much more affordable to to get it, things done, even at the nicest ho- our hospitals over in this part of the world. Yeah. Yeah, I just like to always bring that perspective to people because – it is such an interesting contrast for those who have experience like you and I have where it's like when you, why are we paying so much here in America? It's like, Oh, the doctors are better. It's like, no, they're not. You know, like a lot of the yeah. doctors that we get serviced by in these countries have gotten their education in America. And then they just go totally. home to, to bring that education and, and practice to their own country. So it's a beautiful thing. And I'm glad you shared. I appreciate you being so transparent about that. And, um, yeah, it's really important when you're traveling to to make sure that you're really keeping in touch with your body. Like, how am I feeling? Because I ignored what was going on in my body for way too long. 
thinking, oh, it's because we're moving around so much. I just feel weird, like thinking it was a stomach thing, um, not taking it too seriously. So I think it's really important to make sure you're you're keeping up with yourself and like getting annual checks if you can, even when you're on the road. Yeah, for males too, for sure. Always trying to keep up, like super important. So you do still have your blog to can travel, correct? Yes, correct. If people want to reach out to you, they can reach out via your blog. Is that the best place? Yeah, they can reach out there. Um, we're also on social media at Two Can Travel. It's T W O C A N Travel. Sweet. So. And all the stuff on your blog is what specifically right now? Um, the most recent things I've been writing about is how to teach online. So <laughs> seems like the most relevant thing right now since no one can travel. Right. So if anybody wanted to learn about teaching online, you're a great source of information. You're doing it. And as you said, if you're somebody in America who's struggling right now with lack of job, it sounds like VIP Kid could be an option for you. Yeah, yeah. VIP Kid hires Americans and Canadians who have a bachelor's degree. So if you meet that criteria uh, and you are interested, feel free to reach out. I do help people like through the process of getting hired. I've actually helped some of your listeners um, who I know you, you plugged me at one point on Facebook and I had people reach out to me. So I really appreciate that. Um, thank you. Because yeah, when I, when I help someone and they become a teacher, I do get a referral fee, but I mean, I also just do genuinely think it's, it's been the thing that's been able to keep us on the road. And so if you're looking to go abroad and you are interested in teaching, um, it's a great way to get yourself started with having some income while you build something up on the side. Absolutely. Yeah. Katrina Mitchell is one individual who's been on my podcast yeah. as well. She reached out to Jennifer. She was in Uganda. She was strapped like in a situation with her son that she couldn't get out of, needed to figure out something quick. Jennifer was a huge help, got her into VIP kit or helped her through the process. She, she passed all the requirements and was, you know, making money and was able to sustain her, her able to sustain herself until she found something else. And now she's working at an international school in Uganda, making, you know, Western wages, paying a fraction of that price, a living cost in Uganda and really happy with life. And so thank you, Jennifer, I'm for so helping happy her to out. hear that. Yeah. Oh, she crushed it. I mean, she did so well in her interview. She was making the same base pay that I was making as like an eight year veteran teacher. And she had never <laughs> taught before. I mean, she crushed it. So yeah, no, um, I, I'm I, so glad it's worked out for her. Yeah, I saw her recently. She came back through uh, Cali, so we we had breakfast together. It was really good to catch up, and now she's back in Uganda. So she brought that up, just saying how appreciative of you she was. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, and that's another cool thing that you you bring up is, you know, Katrina had never taught before. She got this job teaching online with VIP Kid. I don't think she really liked it, to be honest, but it led to international school teaching because now she had teaching on her resume, right? So, I mean... You just never know what's going to happen if you just try things out. Exactly. See where it goes. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jen. Love you so much, and uh, good luck. Ciao. So great to be on. Thanks. Awesome, Jen. Thank you so much for joining me. It was really rad to catch up and just learn about the decisions you've made and how our paths have been so similar and paralleling each other for the last six years we've been doing this. I have no doubt that we will get there even just going back through and editing this podcast and listening to some of the things that you said really opened my eyes to the decisions that I have made that have either led me in a positive direction or in a have taken me to a place that didn't really go anywhere. And I have no doubt that if we just keep pushing forward and persevere, that things will come together for us at some point or another. And again, just a big shout out and thank you to everyone who participated in reaching out to David Gelb at supperclub.com. If you want to participate and you haven't already, it's basically me trying to contact a producer of movies and television shows who I think would really help bring Misfits and Rejects to life on the television screen. And I've had trouble reaching out to him. My emails aren't getting through, so I figured if you want to jump on board and help me by just sending him multiple emails on my behalf, indicating that I am serious that I would like to take this to a level that I think he could really help, that I think it could benefit everyone involved. That would be awesome. It's as simple as just going over to supperclub.com. That's supper-club.com. Scrolling to the bottom, clicking the link at the bottom that says hello at Supper Club, writing the subject, attention, David Gelb, G-E-L-B. And then the headline just being, hi, David, I'm writing on behalf of Chapin Cruder, the host of the Misfits and Rejects podcast. He would like just 15 minutes of your time to fill you in on a vision and idea that he feels you could really collaborate with him in a way that everyone, I think, would be 
really intrigued by. Something like that. Super helpful to CC me in that or send him my email as well, chapin at misfitsandrejects.com. Love you all so much. Thank you for joining me. I think you all are so very beautiful. I'll keep you up to date and I'll see you in next week's episode, Monday morning, 9 a.m. Same time, same place. Thank you. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.